anybody excited? Does that get you excited, that music guy? You know, some people are nodding their head, and some people are like, what is this? I'm so confused right now. And so wherever you were just now, I'm so glad that you are here. My name is Ben Chapman. I have the opportunity to be um, the pastor here at Luminous Church, or one of the pastors, I should say. And um, if you have your Bibles, Exodus chapter 20 is where we'll be this morning. We're going to be in the Ten Commandments. Are you excited about that? We're not under law anymore. Can we talk about something else, you know? So, um, man, Exodus chapter 20, it's going to be awesome. We're in this series. God is able to do more than we could ask, think, or imagine. And if you weren't here last week, my wife did an exceptional job on Mother's Day preaching. And uh, we're clapping for her, but she's actually in elementary serving this morning. But, um, man, she did awesome talking about how God is able to do more in the midst of your disappointment than you could ask, think, or imagine. And it's hard to believe it. If you've been disappointed whatsoever in life, you're like, how is God going to use this? How is God going to get me through this? And my wife did an amazing job of, of really articulating that, so I'd encourage you to get that. And then the first week we talked about how God is able to do more with, with, with your 90, with 90 than you can with your 100. We talked about the tithe, and, and, and it, was, it was very paradoxical. We're like, man, how does that make sense? That just doesn't, I don't understand. And I'll tell you the truth is, I don't understand either. Can I be honest? I just don't understand. I'm a pretty intuitive person. So I think, you know, I, I think I'm intuitive. I think I have some intuition. I think I can make a read on the room and, and you know, I, I can read who's going to laugh and who's not going to laugh. And uh, some people call those stereotypes. I call it intuition. But, but I, I feel pretty intuitive just like to feel my way out through life, feel my way out through things. And, and maybe you do, too. Quite honestly, in culture, we're pretty intuitive, aren't we? I mean, we've been talking about that. But, but here's the thing is. We're talking about some truths and some principles over um, the last couple of weeks, weeks and the weeks to come that are counterintuitive. Counterintuitive. In fact, I would, I would dare to say this, that the Bible is counterintuitive to how you think life should be, how you think life should go. And some of you are looking at me like, well, that's, uh, I guess that's true. I, I guess there are some things that, are, um, that go against my way of thinking. But I want to say this. I even want to dare to go here that, that if you don't believe that the Bible is counterintuitive and you aren't living your life in such a way that the Bible is instructed, you're actually living contrary to the gospel. You're living contrary to the gospel in every way. Think about this. Jesus was saying all these paradoxical terms. If you want to save your life, you must lose it. You must lose your life. That doesn't make sense. It's not very intuitive. In fact, we're in a society where it's all about me, me, me. And I'm looking out for who? Me. It's a, it's a survival of the fittest. And, and, and it's a very intuitive culture. And I just need to look out for me. But, but the truth is, is when you do that, it actually is counterproductive to what Christ was trying to set up. Some of you are looking at me like, man, I'm kind of uncomfortable right now. Don't worry. You'll laugh here in a little bit. You'll laugh in a little bit. We'll show a nice YouTube video for you. And, you know, that always gets the millennials laughing, you know. Show a cat chasing a ball or something like that. It's crazy. You know, I, I so didn't believe this. I so didn't believe this. I, I am a millennial. Uh, like, like, so it makes sense. I can do that. 
Like you can zing what you are, but you can't zing what you aren't. Okay, so, so I, 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 when I was a youth pastor, I was 23 years old. I was 23 years old, and I inherited a youth ministry of about 75 students. That's, that's a lot of students, just to let you know, as a youth ministry goes. Uh, it's above the national average, and, and we were rocking. And, and I believed that God was going to use me to save the city. I was going to save the entire city. I was going to save the, the, every youth kid. And, and you know how I was going to do it? I was going to be intuitive. I was going to dress cool. I was going to drive a cool car. I was going to hang out with everybody who was cooler than me. And I was going to get them to hang out with us. And I was, this is how we're going to win the city. And I started working. Anybody can relate? Where You just start working. You start proving yourself. 23. Everybody's looking at me. Is he going to be able to do it? And I was like, we're going to be at 100. 150 and and so I started working day in day out in fact I was working so much I was working about 90 to 100 hours a week just just um 16 hour days it, it was crazy what I was doing and and I was hanging out with students and I really believed that they needed me that they needed me I, I needed to save some students when I got that text you know at 12 o'clock at night to my girlfriend she just broke up with me. I was like, man, I got to save the day. You know, I got to go in there and I got to rescue this guy. I got to rescue this girl. I got I to start saving them. And I believe that, that the gospel would stop if I didn't go out. That people were going to be lost. And the gospel wasn't going to go forward. I believe this. And, and I know that you may believe it too in some capacity. I want to talk about a biblical rhythm today. The truth is... That God can do more with your six than you can with your seven. God can do more with your six than you can with your seven. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Here we are commanded to rest. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. First point is we're commanded to stop. We're commanded to stop in life. We're commanded to rest. The second point is this. I can't stop. I won't stop. I can't stop. I won't stop. Tell your neighbor, I can't stop. Tell him, I won't stop. Do it like that, just like some grit in your voice. Like, and, and tell your neighbor, you can't stop because you've been wanting to say that for a long time. And you won't stop. Go ahead, tell him that. You're like uncomfortable because you don't know your neighbor, and that's awesome. The, the truth is, is when we rest, we recognize that God is in control. When we rest and we acknowledge the Sabbath, we realize that, 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 that he's in control and, and that I am not. And that's the whole point of this. And I'm going to reiterate that over and over again. But, but I want to let you know in capitalism, in our society in the West, and especially in the States, we are a driven culture. We work on average more hours than any other nation across the world, a developed nation. We, we love working. We love it so much. And we feel like... We have to feel like we have to. And in fact, if we don't work, we lose out. And I'm just going to tell you right now, like right now, that that 
I love working and I love when other people work and when people don't work, sometimes I get frustrated. Check out this video. Yeah. Hey, let me get a lemonade. I don't want a lot of ice though. Cause sometimes I gotta be like, yo, can I get a lemonade with all this ice? You know what I'm saying? Winter Chick-fil-A and ordered fries. <laughs> yeah. You already know what kind of size. Let me get that large though. <laughs> it will be my pleasure. They look me in the eye. <laughs> when I bite into it, I'm a Fresh from the fire, I don't wanna waste no time. Burn the roof of my mouth, it will all be with it tonight. When I go to sleep, I dream about them continuously. They're fire. I can't look away, them fries just make my day. Uh-huh. Went back again, ordered a number. Five. Uh-huh. Yeah. Polynesian sauce, Chick-fil-A, and a buttermilk grand. Uh-huh. Hey, hey, hey. I smelled in the bag and I got a aroma avalanche. Oh. I just had to tell you about their fries. They run circles around my mind. Sorry. Even when I'm down and don't have an appetite, you're on fire. Yeah. And you stand out on your own. Uh-huh. Cook them peanut oil, there will never be a clone. Your fries. Uh-huh. Fresh from the fire, I don't wanna waste no time. Uh-huh. Burn the roof of my mouth, it will all be worth it tonight. When I go to sleep, I dream about them continuously. They're fine. I can't look away when fries just make my day. Yeah! Who wants some fries? Who's hungry? Like, I'm hungry. The sad part is we can't get any fries because it's Sunday. It's Sunday. What in the world? What in the world is Chick-fil-A doing? What are they trying to prove, you know? It's so fascinating. Do you realize that Chick-fil-A decided, Kathy Truett's the owner of Chick-fil-A, he's a Christian, he decided to take Sundays off so that, that people could worship if they choose or be with their families. He understands this principle of the Sabbath that, that actually, I think if we took one day off, it would be better for our company and better for the people in our organization and it would be blessed. It would be blessed by God. Now, now, if you and I look at the numbers, we think it's crazy. Do you realize Chick-fil-A loses $47 million annually because they're closed on Sundays? $47 million. You're like, whoa, whoa, whew. How many of you want some $47 million? You know, this like, just like a tent, like tie just a tent to luminous somebody. You know, like, like it's crazy, $47 million. But here's the fascinating part. The average fast food restaurant annually brings in $1 million. Chick-fil-A, on average, brings in $5 million. $5 million. Now, they got some good chicken. They got some good waffle fries. But how many know that they are blessed? They are blessed because of what they decided to do. They're blessed because of that. And, And even though I'm mad today, I'll be happy tomorrow. 
You know, it's like, it's like one day of mad, no fries. You know, Benson and Brielle, they love Chick-fil-A. We go there almost every day. I mean, every day. I mean, we, we give them a fraction of, their, of that $5 million to the Chick-fil-A on Bandera. I mean, it's just, we, we are contributing to that. It seems counterintuitive, doesn't it, in our culture for us to do something like that? And in our society, like, how, how should we do that? We'll be missing out on something. And, and you and I are no different. You and I are no different than, than the fast food restaurants every day that, that we think if we don't work and don't grind every day that we're going to miss out on something. We're going we're gonna to miss out on our profit share. In fact, everything about culture says this, like we need to invest young and we need to do this every day, start investing because the first seven years will be the most important years you invest, right? And so when we grow up like that, we realize, man, it, it matters. We need, we need work and, and it's so contrary it's such a paradox it doesn't make sense like why would i do this now i was rescue wrestling with this a little bit because you know to pick on more millennials because i am one and i love our generation uh what i think is like i don't really have a hard time resting you know, like, I mean, we're vacationing, you know, every month, we're hanging out, we're, you know, we're, we're relaxing, you know, I, you know, you know, a lot of men get like manis and petties now, you know, just because we like how it makes us feel, we get to relax, and, and we want to join in, because we notice that our wives relax when they do that, so I want to get in on that game, right, and so we do start, we start to do a lot of this stuff, and, and, and what I realize is, it, it's not so much just, just relaxing, it's actually setting it apart. The Sabbath is setting it apart for God and what God wants to do so that he can rest and refresh your spirit. So it's not just, not just relaxing, it's setting it apart. It is hard to do. I just want to let you know this. If you are going to actually take a Sabbath and rest, you have to strive to do it. What? that this was a non-denominational church where we talked only about grace and not about works and not about striving. What are we doing right now? No, you actually have to strive. Did you know the New Testament talks about the Sabbath just like the Old Testament? In, in Hebrews 4.11, it says this, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. In talking about the Sabbath, we have to actually work to rest. And you know that's to be true. We have to work to be rest because we fill up every day. And we fill up our calendars and we start filling up our minutes. And, and it, maybe it's just Netflix show. Maybe it's something like that. But we start filling it up, filling up, filling up. Do you realize, like, we, are, we love to fill up our calendar? Like, we love it. It, it, it actually is satisfying. And if I have something every day, I feel more productive. You feel like that's true? For you, like if you have something every day, you feel a little productive. But, but um, Adam Mabry, who's one of our pastors at Every Nation Church in Boston, Texas, uh, Boston Massachusetts, um, he, he wrote a book called The Art of Rest. And he says this, rest is resistance. Rest is resistance, that you have to actually resist filling up your calendar, resist uh, working every day, resist saying no. And it's hard for us because I'm telling you, when I have that day off, I'm like, I'm just going to shoot an email just real quick, you know, just, 
Just real quick. It's just one email, you know, because it's that person in church, you know. I prayed for them yesterday, and I take Mondays off, you know, because, because I work on Sunday a little bit. Like, very little, because pastors don't do much. And, and so I work a little bit, and, 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 and I'm just going to send out this email just real quickly. But I'm going to do it on a slide so my wife doesn't find out, you know, like, what are you doing? Nothing, babe, nothing. <laughs> you know, you've been there, too. You've been there, too. But here's the fascinating thing is God's never going to ask you to live out a paradox or a principle that he didn't model himself. We said this in the first week, uh, that, that, that God has called us to give a tenth, but he gave his son. He gives his first, just like we should give our first. But in Genesis chapter 2, we see that God created everything for six days he created, and on the seventh day, he rested. He actually took a Sabbath. He rested. Now, God is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. Why does God need to rest? He doesn't need a rest. God didn't need to build himself back up. It was a principle that he was laying out, laying out for us. But, but here's what the Hebrew says here. This is what Robert Moore says, that, that six days God was breathing out, creating, breathing out, breathing out the earth, breathing out humanity, breathing out the seas and land. He was breathing out, breathing out, breathing out, because by his word he creates. He makes by his word. He was breathing out. And it, the rested part on the seventh day he rested, the Hebrew word is, actually means he breathed in. For six days he breathed out, on the seventh he breathed in. This is such a principle for us that, that he took a breath. And, and when it says, remember the Sabbath, as, as the, the Testament would say, the Ten Commandments would say, uh, what are we remembering? Are we remembering the time that God rested? Or was it also Exodus chapter 16? If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Exodus chapter 16, verse 17. We're going to... Read a lot of scripture right now, just for fun, you know, because it's fun to do at church. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less, but when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. Everybody say, stank. I like <laughs> And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning, they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. I want to tell you something, that this moment was a moment of trust. God was trying to get his people to trust him. I'm just going to tell you this. This isn't just in the past that God, God wants to get you to trust him. It's in the present. Have you ever found that to be true? It's hard to trust God. It's hard to trust God, with, like what Brandy said about with your disappointments. It's hard to trust God that he's actually going to use that. It's hard to trust God with your finances. It's hard to trust God with your time. And, and these people, just like us, had a hard time trusting God. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread. Two omers each. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you'll bake and boil what you will boil, and all this is left over. Lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, and there were no worms. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. 
Six days you will shall gather, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out together, but they found none. On the seventh day, people were a little hangry. And they were like, man, I just, I want more. I want more. I want more. How many of you just want more? Like more, more. Give me more. Seconds, thirds. I had like fourths on brisket last night. We just want more. We like it. On the seventh day, some of the people went out together, but they found none. In verse 28, and the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like frosted flakes. <laughs> Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generation so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said, Aaron, take a jar and put it, an omer of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generation. Throughout generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. The people of Israel ate the manna 40 years till they came to a habitat. Habitable land. Focus. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Cana. And an omer was a tenth of a bushel. A tenth. I, I love this aspect that, 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 that God had them just get a, a tenth of a bushel. And it was going to be more than enough for them. And he was going to provide for them day in and day out. For years he did this. For years he did this because here's the thing. Here's what God wants to do. He wants to give you the opportunity. And he wants the opportunity to provide for you supernaturally. He wants the opportunity to provide for your every need supernaturally. The problem is or the challenge is, is we don't want him to. I don't want you to provide for me supernaturally. I don't want to give you the opportunity. I want to build up my savings. I want to take my days. I want to do all this. I want to work. I'm going to grind seven days a week. I'm not taking that day off because that day off, I know what the next day is going to be. It's going to be more emails and more work and more text and, and just more, more, and more. And we have a hard time trusting God, trusting God on the daily that he's going to provide our needs. And that's what he's wanted to do. But the thing that we sometimes miss is that we think all activity is productivity. We think every little bit of activity is productivity. But the truth is, is in God's principle and God's law and what God has commanded, actually seven days of activity will not produce seven days of productivity. You actually won't be blessed. You won't be blessed. And, and this is what I love is, I'm not commanding you to take a Sabbath up here. Sure sounds like it. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm not commanding you to do it. I'm just saying well, you have the opportunity to step into the blessing that God has laid out for you. And it's your opportunity whether you want to or not. That's what I love about the law being fulfilled. In Galatians 5.1 we read this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. 
Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Do you realize that Christ came to fulfill the law? He came to give us a greater inheritance. He actually, the law was preservation for us. It, it preserved us to be the people of God. It, 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 was, it was actually for us. It was for our benefit. And he's done this to set us free. Free so that we don't put a yoke of slavery back on. Do you realize a slave has no days off? A slave has no rest. For 400 years, these people had no rest. The Israelites, as they were enslaved in Egypt, it was, they were violating Sabbath week in and week out. And isn't it amazing that God took them for 40 years in the desert so that they could have Sabbaths? You feel like God was kind of returning to them, a blessing there of rest to them. This is what God has set up. And, and you know what? We, we feel like this, and maybe you feel like this too, is we're not under the law. Why are you trying to put the law back on me? How many of you ever grew up in elementary? All of us, right? Elementary school, you know, you know before high school, before middle school, before college. Way back then, we grew up in elementary school. And I remember elementary school, man, rubber cement. Anybody remember rubber cement? I loved rubber cement. I loved to sniff it. Anybody else like to sniff it? Yeah, weird. Weird things, Cliff. You know, me and Cliff were sniffing it in the bathroom, just taking, you know, taking hits on it. <laughs> and, and, and rubber cement. And, and what did the teacher say? Do not sniff that or you're going to get in trouble. What? Well, why are you putting a lot on me? How about this? Don't run through the hall with scissors. Because you may fall and impel yourself and may die. And there'll be a whole lawsuit and it'll be messy all over the place. Right? Or, or this one. You're trying to talk. You're trying to answer the, the question the teacher has. And the teacher says, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Why? I got to raise my hand. Why are you trying to put all this law on me? I'm free. Right? You know? That's, hashtag free. Come on, let's do it, somebody. I'm free. Quit doing it. Do you realize that that was imperative for you to preserve you so that you could be a great kid, to be mature into a great adult? And how many of you know we don't have to put the law, hey, babe, don't, put, don't be running with scissors. Hey, let me see that rubber cement. Let me take it out of your purse, you know? Like we, <laughs> we don't have to do that anymore. We don't have to do that anymore. The law preserved us for a season, for a season. So that we could be the people of God and the fullness of God and all that he's called you to be. You realize like most of the time I don't talk over other people. I actually listen because I learned to raise my hand. You know, most of the time. You know, not all the time. Like we, we don't have to do that anymore. God is amazing. And that's what he was doing with his people when he put the law in place. When he wanted you just to love him and love others. That's all he wanted. Would you just love me? Would you come to me? Would you trust me with all your needs and desires and wants, your emotional needs, your financial needs, your physical needs? Would you just trust me? That's all I want for you. Would you just trust, love, start loving other people? Would, that's it. But he had put some laws in place. And he put the Sabbath right there, right there in the middle of the tent with steal, kill, adultery. Don't do those things. And take a Sabbath. Uh, that doesn't what? It's that serious to God. It's that serious. Your rest is that 
serious to God that he had to command it because he knew in our humanity we wouldn't rest. I will just grind and grind because, Lord, I'm doing it for you. The city needs me. 1.4 million people need Jesus. Come on, Lord, I'm doing it for you. We always beat ourselves up when we know that person who died way too soon, and we were like, man, I was, should have shared the gospel with them. It was me. I, I should have done it. I, I should have been there. I should have called. I should have done all these things. I'm just going to let you know this right now. God doesn't need you. Do you realize God has been sharing the gospel with them from the very beginning? He has been speaking to them from the very early on. And you're like, Pastor, I don't want to hear this because I want to be important. I want to be important. You realize your works of sharing the gospel and your works of serving on Sunday and your works of loving your family. That's not what makes you important. You're important because you're a son and you're a daughter. And nothing changes that. It's freeing. Grace is freeing. And that's what it's meant to do. In fact, in Mark 2, 27, Jesus said it like this. He said to the Pharisees, the Sabbath was made for man, not the man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created for you, for your benefit. You weren't made to serve it. Do you realize that? That's, that was the whole point. So, so here's the thing is sometimes we're like, oh, it's Sunday. It's Sabbath, man. Sorry, I can't give you a ride today. Oh, I can't pray for that, you know. Oh, don't give, them, don't give the homeless person any money today, baby, because it is the Sabbath. You know, do not do that. We do not want to violate this law you're serving the law you've moved into religion but if the law and the boundaries and the principles and all those things are coming to actually help you oh man i need rest i actually need some rest i'm worn out i've been working 100 hour weeks i'm i'm just tired maybe jesus knew something it seems so paradoxical doesn't seem that's how it's supposed to be. But Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me and I will give you rest. That was the whole point of the Sabbath is that we would come to him. That we would come to Jesus and we did set moments and set aside moments and, and make it holy and I'm going to honor you. And so how do I practically live this out day in and day out? When you wake up, what are you doing? Are you looking at the red circles with the number inside? I got to check that. That notification is driving me crazy. Or is the first thing on your mouth, God, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for making me and creating me and setting me apart. See, everything feels like an emergency, doesn't it? You feel like that in life? Everything's an emergency? Got some counselors in here like, yeah, everything's an emergency. Guess what? You're not always going to be around and you can't be around and you got to loosen yourself of that. You need Jesus to move when you can't and trust him in that process. We all have emergencies. Here's 10 real emergencies. 
Okay, here's 10 real emergencies that can be solved by your phone. This is helpful. You don't know which shirt to buy for Sunday morning. I'll just check my phone, look at Instagram fashion. Or maybe, man, I'm starving. I am so hungry. I could eat anything to get on Yelp. I'm like, I'm not eating that. Not eating that. Nope. Nope. I'm so hungry. Nope. No, that one. That's the one I'm eating. Your, your feet hurt. They're tired because you've been walking, you know, a couple of blocks. And so you just need, you need Uber and Lyft just to carry you just a couple of blocks back. Right? You're, you're so tired because you stayed up binging on Netflix way past the time you should do. So you download the Blue Light app so that it can keep you awake during the business meeting the next day. Thank you, phone, for this relieving me. You're completely lost in your neighborhood that you drive to every day. And Google is shut down, so you have to plug it in and wait there for 10 minutes. But it was only a five-minute drive home. Now I can find my way back home. Thank you. You have the cold, and you're just you're bedridden with Kleenexes coming out your nose and ears. And thank goodness for same-day delivery by Amazon Prime, who can deliver you some cold medicine. You can't find your car. It's, it's horrific. There's only 100 parking spaces, but you just can't find it. For you to actually go search long enough to find it, that would just be too much work. So you use your phone to find it. You know, we, by, by phone, it has robbed our Sabbath. By phone, we, we find that we have lost rest in God. Oh, no, no, babe, I'm using this to find God this morning. You know, my Bible app, you version, right there. Oh, notification right there. Call back Austin back. Okay, I'll do that. Whew. Woo, man, I'm glad I get to call Austin back, you know. Um, it, it, we, we are dictated, we're dictated by these things. And, and if you just want to practically practice the Sabbath moment, leave your phone on the charger. Go play with your kids. If you want to practically practice the Sabbath moment, leave your phone on the charger and go take your wife out on a date. You know, come on, man. If you want to practice Sabbath moments, just have a basket at your house. And every time somebody comes in, they just put their phone in the basket. Don't get on that thing. We're eating. This is an emergency. I'm telling you, man, if we don't have this happen, everything's going to fall apart. Wow. Who's in control? You or the Lord? You realize everything that was made was from God. Every blessing, every open door, every bit of favor, every business deal, every relationship. Do you realize that was from the Lord? You realize God put those in place? And who am I, Ben Chapman, to think I'm going to help God out? You ever try to help God out? I'm helping you out, Lord. Helping you out today. No, you need help. I'm your man. I got you. I'm going to save that one right there. You're going to save him at 1 o'clock in the morning when he's on the internet? You're going to be right there? You realize I'm limited in how much I can do, and I need to practice these Sabbath moments. Adam Mayberry's book is called The Art of Rest. I encourage you to get it. This is, it'll make them a million dollars if we all bought one, all 200 of us. 
I'd encourage you to get it. And he calls it the art of rest for this reason. This is what he says. Is that because it's more an art than it is black and white in the law. It's an art. Like it, it moves and it shifts and it, it depends on seasons. You know, when you have a newborn baby, you're not going to get a Sabbath every day. You're going to be feeding that baby. You're going to be waking up. I don't have any rest. So how can I practice rest? I have this moment of, of Sabbath and this moment of, of setting apart time for Jesus. And, and you know, you're the, the, the mom who's nursing and you're just sitting there with your phone reading the Bible, listening to the word. You know, you're doing different things, practicing these Sabbath moments, just resting and taking time to focus on him. And the truth is, is you're going to do a lot in life. I'm going to bring hope to you. Hey, this has been beating you up all, all morning. You're going to do a lot in life. God's created you to do amazing things. You're going to have successful businesses. You're going to have successful friendships. You're going to have successful marriages and parenting. You're going to do amazing. You were created to do amazing. But do you realize Jesus only had three years? He only had three years to share the gospel to all of humanity. I have to convince the world that I'm the Lamb of God. I have to train these disciples so that they can figure out how to replicate this message. I have to do a lot in three years. And yet Jesus frequently retreated to the mountain to have rest. If Jesus can do it, we can do it. If Jesus modeled it, we can live it. Would you stand on your feet this morning? I'd love to pray for you. My hope and my encouragement week in and week out is to inspire you to live a life where your affection, emotions, attitude is seeing Jesus clearly for your life and your life is forever changed because of that. The enemy would love for you to be so busy where you miss church. And I'm not saying this because I'm a pastor. I would be saying this no matter where I was. But do you realize when the people of God come together, this is the temple? Not the building, not the, not the walls at the ridge. But the people of God coming together makes temple worship, where we get to worship and glorify Jesus together in one place. And God is honored through that. And, it, and it, it's actually restful. And brings peace. And God wants that for you. Week in and week out. Would you close your eyes for me if you feel comfortable? I'd love for you to self-evaluate before I pray. Have you been grinding so hard that you haven't honored the Lord with a Sabbath? Been trying to get so many things done. Feel like the world's going to fall apart without you. Do you feel like the world is going to fall apart without you? then you're in the wrong seat. I would love for you to dare to take a moment, for but a moment this week, letting God be in that place, letting God be in the place where you've been for so long. Jesus, I thank you for your church. I thank you, Father, for everyone here. I pray, Holy Spirit, in powerful ways, that you would come and bring Sabbath moments, God, so that all of our life lived would be blessed. 
We're accountable for one thing. How well did we live this life according to your word and the trust that we have in you? And our hope and desire will always be to sit in front of you saying, you're worthy. You're amazing. We glorify you. And to hear the response reciprocated, well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus, we love you. Bless your church. In Jesus' name, amen.